Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. All the stuff you invest in, it stays unless you, you know, give it to your kids and all that stuff. But what? It, it all stays. It all, it all stays here. So here's the thing. Invest. Invest in the spirit. Invest in, invest in others. Invest in what the Lord is doing. Sometimes that's with the church, and sometimes that's with other nonprofits who are doing the Lord's work. Make sure that they're doing the Lord's work. Make sure that what they're about, if you're going to support a nonprofit, that they are about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing inherently wrong with investing money and resources in things of this earth. But as Pastor James will challenge us in today's message, above anything else, we need to invest ourselves in the cause of the gospel. Jesus demonstrated the ultimate investment in us, and he calls us to step out into a life that reflects his sacrifice. That sacrificial love will speak volumes to a world that pushes an every-man-for-himself mentality. It will stand out, and it'll make an eternal difference. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. What is that thing that excites you? You think it's there just because? No, it's there because God placed that in you. He's given that to you. Because what's going to excite you may not excite somebody else, and that's what a body is like. So that, just to help out with that, but I would say pray, 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 pray. Say, Lord, man, I don't know. I want to carry my pack. Lord, what is it? What is it that you've given me to carry? Please give me some clarity, and he will answer that prayer. He will give you clarity. I promise you that. He absolutely will. It may take some time, but he absolutely will come through for you. Carry your own load. Verse 6, let the one who is, who is taught the word. Oh, here's my favorite part. Oh, every pastor loves to preach this part. All right, hold on tight. Um, let the one who is taught the word share in all good things with the one who teaches. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been to one of these services before? Um, listen, this is why we go through the, the book, verse by verse, Okay. Because um, if I was just, you know, picking different ones and all that good stuff, and, you know, this is probably one that had been taught, like, you know, probably like 30 times out of a 52-week year, right? So, like, hey, you know, I'm teaching you guys. Well, let's, what, let's define some terms here. Let the one who has taught the word share in all good things, the one who teaches. Well, all good things technically means material things. Oh, so here I am teaching you the word, then you should share with me. Right? This is now, should pastors get paid money? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Give me a good reason why they shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I know who you're talking to. I mean, I get it. But, like, it's very clear in the scriptures that they should get paid. Now, how much should they get paid and all that stuff? Not my business. I don't care. It's not my business. Um, I don't set my salary here. You guys are more than generous. Let me, let me applaud you from the very beginning. You are doing this really well, okay? Good job. You're doing this really well. My family has need of nothing because you, you guys are awesome, awesome. 
But this is what the word says. This is what Paul's saying. He's like, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Like, look, if you got somebody teaching you, if you're being fed spiritually from somebody, you should help them out. You should absolutely help them out. Like, yes, take care of their needs. That's what a body does. I would never pick to go through this scripture. You guys know that. We never even talk about money. We have offering boxes. I never even tell you where the offering boxes are. That's how, like, I probably should do this more often. They're back there, okay? <laughs> They're, online giving, we have that. Go to our website. That's what me and my family do. We give online. That's what we do. It's, it's simple, it's easy, and all that good stuff. We do have online giving. Give that way. Here's my thing. If you're going to give, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. May the Holy Spirit motivate you in that. Here's the coolest thing about this. Let me, let's, let's continue on reading this. Um, let me read from the New Living Translation here. It says, those who are taught the word of God should help their teachers by paying them. That's what the New Living Translation says, okay? So you get this beautiful little verse. You, they should be paid and all this good stuff. Here's how distinct Christianity is, okay? In the Jewish culture, you have to pay a temple tax. You got to pay money. And so that money is going to go to really to compensate those who are teaching there. So it's forced. Whether you want to pay it or not, you're going to pay it. You're going to pay. So whether you want to give or not, you're going to give. It's kind of like, well, tax in America. Whether you want to or not, you're going to give. You're going to pay taxes. In, in most other religions, I can't say all because I don't know all religions, but in most other religions, this is a rule. This is law. Only in Christianity is it optional, quote unquote. Only in Christianity is there, there's no rule to this thing. When it comes to giving, when it comes to tithing, it's in, we could say 10%. You want to use 10%? Knock yourself out. Go for it. If that's what you want to do. That's Old Testament stuff. And what does the New Testament say? What does Paul say? Paul says like, I just give, give with a grateful heart. Do you really want to put limits on your worship? Do you really want to do that? Because when we start putting percentages down, and I know, I understand why we do some of that stuff, but if giving is an act of worship, do you really want to cap that off? Just follow that line of logic. I don't think you do. That's why the New Testament says, listen, just give with a grateful heart. And as the Lord leads you, the Lord directs you, then just answer what he's calling you to do. That's our view on giving. That's our view on tithing. You be led by the Lord. You be led by the Lord. Here's the other thing. This is on a personal side. Because you put money in a box does not make you my boss. Because some people think that. Some people think that. Well, I put money in a box, so I get to tell you what to do. I've actually had people tell me that before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I... Fortunately, that was not here. It was me as a youth pastor. I had a parent come and tell me, they're like, why pay my tithes here? So I'm your boss. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on. James is about to demonstrate a work of the flesh. Um, No, 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 that's not what that's about because then you're not worshiping God. Your motives are not pure. They're not. You're putting in money in the box out of obligation or, or manipulation. That's not what that's about. Any money that gets donated online, any money that goes into the box, that's between you and the Lord. That's between you and the Lord. 
hopefully I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and presenting the word of God to you. In a, and my goal is always just in a clear and simple way. Whatever happens between you and the Lord in those boxes on the wall or online, that's between you and him. That's not my business. It's not. It'll never be my business. This church belongs to the Lord Jesus. It's his, okay? But you do have a responsibility. I have the same responsibility. And now I'll tell you this. I did not do this really good at all, at all. I've sat under guys who have taught me the word of God, who've instructed me in a really awesome way, beneficial way that helped me grow in my relationship with the Lord. And I didn't do anything for them. <laughs> and that's on me. That's on me. What did, what did I do? Well, Paul tells us very clearly how this works. Now, here's, here's the thing. There's no, like, transition, okay? We're still talking about the same thing when we read this next portion. Let's look at this. Don't be misled or don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that also, or he, that he will also reap. This is talking about this verse we just read. I get it. Some people, I grew up so long, I say grew up, this was always attributed to sin. But that's not technically right. I mean, does it apply? Yes. Hear me out. Yes, it does. But Paul is continuing this thought of like, hey, if somebody's teaching the word of God, you should pay the money. Oh, and by the way, let's look at how this looks practically. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. This is still talking about giving. This is talking about giving. Does it apply to you, you know, sowing to the flesh and reaping's consequences? Of course it does. But let's not forget what it's talking about. This is talking about investing in kingdom. New Living Translation says, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Verse 8 says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So for the one who sows to his own flesh, that's selfish living. Selfish living, okay? You're just investing in yourself constantly. Investing in yourself. Investing in yourself. Uh, will from the flesh reap corruption. Okay, you want to be selfish, well, you can be selfish, but here's the end result. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be real, if we're going to be honest, if you only want to invest in you throughout this entire life, there you go, corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Does this mean if I give more, then I get saved? Not at all. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. Salvation's already settled. But he's saying, invest in the spirit, invest in spiritual things. Monetarily speaking, invest in spiritual things. Here's a, here's a shocker. It's not your money. You only have whatever you have because God has blessed you with that. And you're not taking it to heaven. That's it. What, what a tragic waste it is. When people accumulate, accumulate, accumulate all throughout their lives, all throughout their lives, and then you die. And let's pray you are, you're an individual who loves Jesus, and you're standing before the Lord, and you're like, man, where's my checkbook? What? And God's like, oh, you don't need that here. You don't need that. You could have used that. 
You see that pile of stuff over there? It might have been bigger. It could have been bigger if you're investing in heavenly things. But yeah, no, your pocket, your, your, your wallet stayed in, stayed in the earth. It stayed there. Your checkbook, you know, all, all, the, all the stuff you invest in, it stays unless you, you know, give it to your kids and all that stuff. Well, what? It, it all stays. It all, it all stays here. So here's the thing. Invest. Invest in the spirit. Invest in, invest in others. Invest in what the Lord is doing. Sometimes that's with the church, and sometimes that's with other nonprofits who are doing the Lord's work. Make sure that they're doing the Lord's work. Make sure that what they're about, if you're going to support a nonprofit, that they are about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that is your hard-earned money. Make no mistake about it. You worked hard for that money, right? And God has blessed you with that. So you don't want to waste it on investing in somebody who doesn't even really represent the Lord Jesus, okay? They might be doing good things, and praise God for people doing good things. But there's also a lot of Christians that are out there doing the same thing, but also representing Jesus and communicating the gospel, okay? So just be smart about that. For verse 8, for the one who sows his own flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. Okay? So listen, don't give up. Basically saying this, harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. Keep investing in that. Keep investing in that. The harvest is coming. Okay? It may get discouraging. You may be like, man, I, I, I feel like you know, I'm doing all this stuff. Maybe, I'm, maybe I am giving. I'm just not seeing anything happen. What, what we would say is, don't give up on the Lord. Don't quit investing in his kingdom. Keep him. And this, again, it, can it speak about money? It, is, it does speak about money, but it speaks about more things than just money. It also speaks about investing time into an individual's life and you know, that, those types of things. Keep investing, keep investing. And the Lord says, don't grow weary of doing good, for in due season, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Okay, so the farmer's going to go out there, he's going to sow seeds, and he's not going to wake up the next morning and think like, where's my wheat? Right? Because the farmer knows better than that. He knows it's going to take time. It's going to take time for that those roots to sink down deep and for those little shoots to come out through the ground and, and those have to come up and they need water, they need proper sunlight, they need all the stuff, they need time, time. When you're investing in the kingdom of God, don't give up. Don't give up because you keep walking out to the field and you're like, where's all the seeds I just planted? Well, it's coming. You just can't see what's happening below the surface. So don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. We will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. So there you go. Um, if there's an opportunity to help somebody out, absolutely go for it. But you need to make sure that you're taking care of brothers and sisters in the church, all right? And even as a church and benevolence funds and things like that starts in the church. Brothers and sisters, does that mean we exclude the outside world? Not at all. Not at all. But you got to make sure that you're taking care of your brothers and sisters, and then you're also helping out wherever you can help out. 
Nobody is exempt from this. Nobody's disqualified from this. If there's an opportunity to help out and you can help out, you should help out, period. The last little part here. It says, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. So this is Paul, the last part of this letter. This is Paul. And it's not, some people would say maybe it's big letters because he can't really see that good because he got that eye thing going on. I don't think that's it. I think he's capitalizing. Like if he was texting something out, it'd be like all caps, okay, with a bunch of exclamation points at the end of it, all right, Um, or exclamation marks. This is Paul writing with emphasis. It says, look at what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to become circumcised are doing it for just one reason. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. These guys have ulterior motives, okay? They, they want to tell you that you just get, cruci- you get, not crucified, you get circumcised. Maybe the same thing. Um, you get circumcised. And then they kind of add you to their totals. It's all a show for these guys, but it also keeps them from getting persecuted. Verse 13. And even those who advocate circumcision don't really keep the whole law. They only want you to be circumcised so they can brag about it and claim you as their disciples. They're just, you know, they're just kind of padding their numbers. They're like, yeah, we went to Galatia, and we got, we got 100 circumcisions. Woo! You know, everybody's excited for that. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. They're just, they just want to brag about it. That's all. Verse 14, as for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There you go. God forbid we should brag about anything except the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world died long ago. And the world's interest in me is also long dead. So here's Paul, the Apostle Paul. He basically is referencing what he's already said twice now. I've been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but it is he who lives in me. And as the world looks at Paul, they see a crucified man. As Paul sees the world, he sees a crucified world, no longer. He's like, I'm not interested in it anymore. Notice this, though. He, when he talks about the world, he is talking about this worldly system. He's not talking about people. He's talking about a system that's in place there. He says, verse 15, it doesn't make any difference, uh, doesn't make any difference now whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we really have been changed into new and different people. What really counts is, has, ha, have you been made a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17, for those who are in Christ are new creations. Circumcised, cool. Uncircumcised, cool. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What matters? Your heart. Your heart. Are you a new creation in Christ Jesus? Because that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Paul's going to place great emphasis on the salvation by grace through faith alone. That's it. What, count is, uh, what counts is whether we've been changed into new and different people. Verse 16, may God's mercy and peace be upon all who live by this principle. They are new people of God. New people of God. He, in, in one sense, and we've talked about this before, he, in one sense, creates a new race of humanity called the Christian. It's neither Jew nor Gentile, 
male, female, none of that stuff. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. That's who you are. You're a Christian. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Doesn't make any difference. You're a Christian. And I'll keep emphasizing this because our world has no idea what any of this stuff means. No clue. No clue. We, we can say what all we, whatever we want to say about whose lives matter. We don't live it out. That's the problem. And for Christians, for believers, you are a Christian. You are a new creation. A new creation in Christ Jesus so that you can go and represent Jesus, so that you can love God and love other people, regardless of who they are, what they look like, where they come from, whether they like you or not, whether they agree with you or not, it does not matter. You're a new creation, a new creation. And what's, what once may have been impossible for you in the flesh has now become possible for you. What was something that was impossible? To love other people. To love other people as, though, as how they should be loved. You can't do that apart from Christ in a proper way. But in Christ, you can. In Christ, you can. So you're a new creation. You've been set free from the law. You've been set free from sin and death. This is the great letter of the book of Galatians. You've been set free because of Jesus. He's made you into a new person. You still got the same old tent, right? That's what you're living in. It's a busted up tent. I get it. The new one's coming, but you're a new creation who's set free in Jesus, who lives differently, no longer controlled by the, the desires of your flesh. Do you mess up? Yes, you do. Welcome to the club. But being part of the club means that we're there to help each other out, to spur each other on into good works, to produce spiritual fruit, to make a difference in our world, to make a difference in our workplace, to make a difference in our communities, to make a difference in each other's lives. You're a new creation. So then as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Now, he is speaking of, he's not calling the church Israel. Please, I don't know. Some people are saying that. That's not, no, no, no. Israel is Israel, okay? It's not the church. Israel is Israel, all right? It says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear my on my body, the marks of Jesus. What are the marks of Jesus? All those wounds he's, he's taken on. Every single stone that was thrown at him, every single cane that came across his back, every single whip, every, all of it. <clears throat> Paul says, look, you don't believe me? Look at my scars. You don't think I'm a real teacher of the gospel? You don't think I'm really about Jesus? Look at my scars. Look at my scars. I walk the walk. I don't just talk the talk. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, amen. That word brothers there, just so in case you missed it, you need to read back through Galatians. This little letter motivated by the Holy Spirit, spoken to Paul through the Holy Spirit, was all about love. And that little word, that little term, brothers, was, at, was put into there so that Paul can leave them on a note of like, listen, I'm frustrated with you because you're so quickly turning away, but I love you. I absolutely love you and care about you. You are my brothers. 
So he just wanted to put that little, little cap on the end of this little beautiful letter saying, listen, guys, I love you guys. I love you. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Galatians, a New Testament letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Its lessons on unity and holiness may have been written long ago, but these truths can still be applied in your life today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor James on this topic, you can visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken? We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for everyone who's listening to this program, that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated, no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us to share the gospel message. And thanks for listening today to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love